Monday matinees begin right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. How do I? I'll skip ahead a bit. No, I can't skip ahead. All, all right, everybody, into the time machine. No, 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 no! You don't understand how radio works. All I have to do to return this is fade my voice out like this and cue the organist. <laughs> You see, here we are. Wait a minute. 63 Audio presents the Old Time Radio Essentials Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Old Time Radio Essentials. If this is your first time joining us, I must inform you that this is episode 15. My name is Pete. This is Paul. And I'm Dave. The purpose of our show is to present specific episodes of our favorite Old Time Radio series. Episodes that stand out as particularly representative of those series, or as one of those quotable episodes that fans of old radio like to discuss, either in person or on social media. We'll open each episode by introducing the selection, describing it briefly, and then we'll play it for you. Then we'll come back at the end and discuss it at length, each of us giving their opinions on its merits, its performances, or anything that stands out for us. And that's exactly what we're presenting to you. Just our opinions, or whether or not it's worthy of a place in every old-time radio aficionado's personal collection. You don't have to agree with us, and in fact, we may not agree with each other. But we do hope you'll enjoy what we bring to the table, and come back for more. Each of us three will take turns selecting a show for discussion. Last month's choice was mine, and that was our season two opener, Donovan's Brain, just in case you didn't hear it. This month, it's back to Paul for his choice. And what do you have for us, Paul? Tonight, I'm bringing an episode of that long-running radio series, The Shadow. This one's called Gang Doctors, from 1946. The Shadow ran exclusively on the mutual broadcasting system between 1937 and 1954, with several actors playing the title role. Orson Welles was the first, followed by Bill Johnstone, and then Brett Morrison. Morrison plays the shadow in the one we'll be playing for you tonight with Grace Matthews as Margot Lane, his companion. While other actors also played this mysterious character with the power to cloud men's minds, Morrison had the longest run from 1943 to 1944 and then from 1945 through to the end of the series in 1954. And so, without further delay, we present Gang Doctor from November 24th, 1946 and The Shadow. And now, friends, adjust your radio dials to the proper frequency. Get comfortable and listen. Company, producer of salt for every farm and home use, brings you the thrilling adventures of the shadow, the hard and relentless fight of one man against the forces of evil. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcibly to old and young alike that crime does not pay. In just a minute, today's exciting adventure will begin. But first, 
When you go to the store to pick out apples, it's easy to choose the best apples. You can see the difference. But it's not so easy to pick the best salt by its appearance. Most salt looks alike. But just you try using Kerry salt. See how different it is. See how its goodness goes deep down into the heart of food. Yes, ma'am, once you use Kerry salt, you'll agree Kerry salt is different. Kerry salt is deep penetrating. Here's why. Kerry salt is extra refined. So, of course, it always carries the flavor. Get Carrie's table salt at your favorite food store tomorrow in the round white box with a bright red band. It comes either iodized for added health protection or plain. But now, the shadow. The shadow who aids the forces of law and order is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret. The hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama, Gang Doctor. <laughs> midnight. In a sub-cellar of an old brownstone house, an operation is being performed. The patient, sprawled out on a makeshift operating table, winces as a man in a soiled surgical gown applies the scalpel to portions of his face. Doc, can't you give me something to call clock me? Doc, I can't stand it. We can do it in Novocaine. Oh, oh, I never know what I'd like to say. Not as bad as the electric chair. Don't move now. Please, Doc, easy. Joey, eat up the paraffin. Okay, Doc. Paraffin? What's that for? You better build up those cheekbones of yours. Give your face a different expression. If I wasn't so hot, I'd never go through with this. You should have thought of that before you killed that bank messenger, Trigger. I didn't figure on putting anyone down when I pulled that bank job. If that bank messenger hadn't got so nosy. I still... Sure, this is going to be a new face, Doc. Something nobody will recognize. Results guaranteed, Trigger. It ought to be a good job, but it's going to cost you enough. Uh, I hadn't figured it that way, Doc. How much? Twenty grand. Twenty? Are you out of your mind, Doc? I ain't got that kind of toll. There was forty thousand dollars in that pouch you got from the bank messenger, and my fee runs to fifty percent of the gross. For a job like this. Twenty grand? That's a holdup, Doc. I won't pay. Harrison's ready, Doc. I won't pay. Shut up. You're going to get a new face, and you're going to pay for it. Now lie still. Easy, easy, Doc. <laughs> Take it easy. More paraffin, Joey. No, no more. Please, no more. Hold his head, Joey. Uh, we're going near the eyes. Oh, I can't stand any more, Doc. Clamps, Joey. Uh, uh, oh, much more, Doc. I can't take much more. We've started, Triggers. Uh, this is only the beginning. Hello, Murph. What'll it be? I ain't drinking, Gus. Uh, some guy went to see me. Yeah, the guy in the check suit over there, Murph. Said he knows you. Huh? huh? Never seen him before. He ain't copper, is he? Yeah, he looks more like a loser, Murph. Lily white skin of his looks strictly big house to me. Yeah, besides, a copper would know better than to come working in this joint alone. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Gus. Thanks a lot. See what's on his mind. 
I hear you was looking for me, mister. Yeah, I have. Sit down, Mark. So I... How do you know my name? Maybe you'd get friendlier if I mention my name. The boys who know me call me Trigger. Trick? Uh, you're kidding. You don't look no more like Trigger than I do. So what? You didn't expect me to be showing that old kisser of mine under the cop's noses, did you? I had embroidery done. Hey, yeah. That's a beautiful job, too. Well? What do you want? Now, look. You're still chummy with that private eye, Lamont Cranston, ain't you? I know him. So what? Him and Commissioner Weston never broke that corning case that happened about five years ago, did they? No. Cranston would like to break it. I suppose I help him break it. How could you? They got one print of the killer. They never matched it. Suppose I tell him where they can match it. What do you get out of this? Nothing you gotta pay off. There's a guy trying to put the tap on me for 20 grand. Now, with Cranston on his tail, maybe he'll end up where he won't worry about me. Or the 20 grand. Oh, a remake, huh? Never mind. Is it a deal? Okay. Yeah, it's a deal. Good. Now, here's what you do. Call Cranston. Meet him tonight. <laughs> What you going to do about the winter's invitation for the weekend, darling? Well, uh, looks like I'll have to accept, Margot. Doesn't seem to be any way out of it. Oh, it won't be that bad. I'll be there. <laughs> oh, I'll get it. All right. Yes? This is my... Is Mr. Cranston there? Just a second, Murph. For you, darling. Oh, thanks. Hello, Murph. How's crime? I quit you kidding, Mr. Cranston. You know, I skipped that up years ago. <laughs> What's on your mind, Murph? I got something for you, Mr. Cranston. Something hot. Well, good. What is it? A line on that guy who did the corning killing. Corning, huh? How good is your tip, Murph? Pretty good, pretty good there. Comes from a red hot who's on the lamb. He's got a grudge against the killer. And his red hot says he, he, he'll spill it to you. Well, that's very flattering, but why me? I guess he knows you're pretty anxious to crack that corning case. Besides, like I said, he, he got a grudge against the killer. Might be worth looking into, Murph. When and where do I get this information? Well, it's better, it's better if you and me ain't seen together in town. Better meet up at my place tonight. Mr. Cranston, you know where this? No, uh, better give me the direction. It's a little hideout two miles outside of Walk Hill. Mm-hmm. You can't miss it. It's an old shack, like on the left side of the road. Okay, Murph. I'll be there. You'll be where, darling? Murph's place. Claims there's a line on the saddest who killed the Corning child five years ago. Why come to you? Why doesn't he give this information to the police? Well, he knows of my personal interest in the case. Besides, his informant apparently isn't on speaking terms with the police. Don't get mixed up in that case again, darling, please. That killer was a cold-blooded maniac. Yes, I know, Margot. That's all the more reason why I'm not going to rest until he's brought to justice. <laughs> Come and take it easy there. I'm coming. You're Murph, aren't you? Who? Who are you? Just call me Doc. Uh, we thought we'd have a little talk with you, Murph. Let's go in where we'll be comfortable, eh, John? Hey, oh, you're pushing there. Pardon me, Murph. I didn't know you had your foot against the door. Wait a minute, you guys. I'm busy here. I'm expecting someone. Better bolt the door, Joey. We don't want to be disturbed. What is all this? We've got mutual friends, Murph. 
Trigger, for instance. Trigger? Tr- yeah. Joe here's been keeping an eye on Trigger. He saw you and Trigger talking today. Very confidentially. What were you talking uh, about, Murph? Nothing. You going to be difficult, Murph? I don't mind, but you may. <laughs> oh, my arm. Oh, oh, my arm. You just break it. Tell us about it, Murph. We were talking about an old snatch job. Corning job. What about the corning job, Murph? He wanted me to contact Lamont Cranston for him. Oh, I squeal, huh? And did you? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, what's it to you guys? What did he tell you about the corning job, Murph? Nothing. Nothing at all. Don't talk, Murph. He didn't tell me nothing. I told you. He just wanted me to set up a date with Cranston tonight. Here. Here? We don't have much time, Doc. No. We'd better get started, Joey. What are you going to do? You seem so interested in the corning case, Murph. I... Thought maybe I'd show you how it was done. You! You're the corning killer. Yes, Murph, and I think we'd better reenact the operation on you. What are you talking about? Okay, Joey. Take over. Thanks, Doc. Come here, Murph. Put up the knife. I I, I ain't gonna do no talking. Come here, Murph. Doc, Doc, keep him away, Doc. Please. Come here, Murph. No. Come to little Joey. No. Come to Joey, Murph. We're pretty nearly there, Margot. According to speedometer, we're just about two miles beyond Walkew. Mm-hmm. There's an unpainted old shack over there, Lamont, but huh? the windows are all boarded up. Murph said it would be. Oh. This wagon path leading up to it doesn't look very good for the springs. Uh, not as far as we can go. Have to walk the rest of the way, darling. Ooh, what a desolate place. I suppose Murph really lives here. No, but I wouldn't be surprised at what it's ideal for some of his enterprises. Oh, I thought you said Murph was a reformed character, darling. <laughs> well, I suspect he still has occasional relapse. Lamont is not even a license in the place. Darling, maybe you'd better go back and sit in the car. I'll go investigate. Nothing doing. Where you go, I go, Mr. Cranston. Okay. Come on, then. I still don't think this can be the place. So deserted looking. If he's expecting us, why haven't you got a light of some sort? We'll find out soon enough. Door's open. Okay. Stand back, darling. All right. You in there, Murph? You see, Lamont, there's no one here. Let's go back. What was that? Someone's in there, all right. Give me that plaster. All right. I don't see anyone. Lamont, it's a man. He's getting up from the floor. Oh, Murph must have fallen asleep. Is that you, Murph? Lamont, why doesn't he answer? Murph. (laughs) Is anything wrong? What? (laughs) Murph. Better not look, darling. You're right, Murph. It's all right, Murph. It's Cranston. Who who did this to you? Lamont, what's that note pinned to his shirt? I don't know. It's not pinned to his shirt, Margot. It's stuck to his chest with a knife. Oh. What's it say? Wait a minute. 
Here's another one to baffle you, Cranston, just as the Corning case baffled you. The Corning killer. He knows you're here. Yes, he must... Look, look there, Margaret. There's smoke coming in under the door. Smoke? Wait a second. Door's locked. Windows are boarded up solid. We've got to get out of here. Yes, we've got to take Murph with us. Come on. He's written something. It's blood on the floor. What's it say? T R I G G E R. Trigger. Is he the one who did this, Murph? He's shaking his head no. Is, is he the one who had the information about the Corning killer? Yes. Where, where can I find him, Murph? I can't make up what he's writing, darling. It's so shaky. M-E-R-M, the mermaid? Oh, hurry, Murph, hurry. What's he writing now? Look, it's like... It's like T-L-A-S. stop. Murph. What else? Murph. What is it, darling? He's written all he's going to write, Margot. Murph's dead. We'd better get out of here before we are, too. It's getting worse. I can hardly see. Oh, place is going up like tinder. Hold the flash on the door. Maybe we can smash our way out. It's giving way. Hurry, darling. That did it. I'll stay close behind me, darling. Let's get out of here. I wouldn't come out that door if I were you, Mr. Cranston. I'm a very good shot. Drop that gun. Drop that gun. Turn to the shadow in just a minute. Now it's winner's time again. Yes, sir, here are the two winners of the Carousel Contest for the week ending November 8th. Each of these listeners wins a gorgeous $100 17-jewel Harmon Gold Watch just for writing an interesting letter about Carrie Salt. The ladies' watch goes to Mrs. A.O. Nobles, Jr. of Gainesville, Florida. Her suggestion tells you how to remove the printed dye from sugar bags or white feed bags. She suggests you dampen the bags with kerosene and sprinkle on Carrie's table salt. Then roll them up tight and let them stand overnight. Next day, just wash in soapy water and watch the dye rinse away. Sounds like a wonderful idea. And here's the winner of the man's watch. He is Mr. Sandy Rita of Cleburne, Texas. And he bases his suggestion on 30 years of experience. He says, the best thing I have ever found for smoothing rough gears and silencing their noise is the use of carry salt mixed with gear grease or compound. Congratulations to both of the winners. And folks, if you'd like to win one of these beautiful watches, listen for the easy rules later in this program. Meanwhile, remember, there's a fine carry salt for every farm and home use. There's deep penetrating carries table salt, carries meat curing salt, carries mineral supplement salt, and many others. Always look for the white bag box or cotton with a bright red band. But now, back to the shadow. <laughs> on the trail of a solution of a five-year-old crime, find the mutilated body of Murph, one of Cranston's undercover assistants. Before they can get out of Murph's hideout, however, the killer sets the old house afire and fires at Cranston as he tries to get Margot out of the flaming building. Lamont! I'm... I'm all right, Margot. I guess the bullet just grazed my scalp. Oh, thank heaven. 
Let's get out of here. This roof can't last much longer. Poor Murph. What are you going to do, darling? Those flames will hide all evidence of the crime. Evidence or no evidence, we know what happened back in there, Margot. Now I'm determined that the Corning killer is going to be caught. Come on, darling. We're going to the mermaid and see what Trigger knows about the letters P-L-A-S. The mermaid, Lamont. <laughs> Not exactly the stork club, is it? Which is Trigger? I don't see him. Are you sure you know what he looks like, Tom? That gunman? I've seen his face in the rogues gallery so many times. What'll it be, mister? We're looking for a Trigger, bartender. Uh, so a 10,000 copper. Friend of ours named Murph told us we'd find him here. Oh, you know Murph? Yeah. Okay, try the guy in the check suit over there. What'll it be, boys? Is that Trigger Lamont? No, it doesn't look like him, exactly. Come on, let's go over and talk to him anyway. I've got an idea. Good evening. This table's taken. Yes, so I see. Blow, I just... mister. I ain't no talking mood. It's about Murph. It said blow. Light for that cigarette? Hey, get that match out of my face. Murph's dead, Trigger. Flash to death. What? I don't know what you're talking about, and I'm not interested. I don't know Murph, and I don't know you. You're not leaving us. Yeah. Was you figuring on trying to stop me? No, not at all. Sorry you don't like our company. That breaks my heart. Mind let him get away, Lamont? Don't worry. When I want to begin, I'll know where to find him. How? Sitting over here and giving Shrevey the high sign like this. Follow him in his car. You think of everything... You better not let the bartender see you wrapping that glass in your handkerchief. Not to risk it, Margot. I've got to make sure that our check-suited friend was who I think he was, in spite of plastic surgery. Plastic surgery? Yes. Did you notice when I offered him the light for his cigarette? Yes, I couldn't understand why he was being so accommodating. I held the match very close to his face. That way I was able to see the tiny scars that would be invisible otherwise. The letters P-L-A-S. Plastic surgery, of course. Then you think that was trigger we just talked to? Well, I'll be sure when I get a set of Trigger's prints from the police, then compare them in the lab with the prints I get off this glass. And if they match? If they match, Margot, our friend Trigger's going to receive a visit from the shadow. <laughs> Hello, Trigger. What? Why are you packing a trunk? Planning on going somewhere? Who said that? Where are you? Put away the gun, Trigger. I'm right here. Only you can't see me. Who are you? What do you want? I'm the shadow, and I want the truth, Trigger. Why are you running away? You think I want to get carved up? Like Murph, Trigger? What? You know a lot, Shadow. Too much. Look, I'll make a deal with you. I'll give you anything the you want. The Shadow makes no deals. The Shadow's only interest is justice. Who killed Murph? I, I don't know. Who I killed Murph, Trigger? I, I, I guess it was either the doctor that nailed that to his. Yeah, that's the way they killed it with a knife. So they killed Murph because he knew something about the Corning case, Trigger? Was that why they killed him? Yeah, I, I guess so. Who murdered the Corning child? Well, if, if I tell you... you There's understand. no if about it, Trigger. Tell me, who killed the Corning child? Doc. Doc Winston. Where is this Doc Winston? Up on 68th Street. Second house across the Avenue. I'm going to pay a visit to Dr. Winston, Trigger. 
you haven't told the truth, you'll answer to the shadow. <laughs> I'm positive. 68th Street, second house. Wait a second, here comes somebody. Who did you... Oh. We'd like to see Dr. Winston. He's not here. You'll have to come back. Pardon me, I think we'll come in and see for ourselves. Take your foot out of that door. Sorry to be so rough. You're not very hospitable. Come in, Margot. Right. What is this? Didn't we almost meet face-to-face at Wallkill earlier this evening? Joey... I did miss you, didn't I? I never did trust guns, Mr. Clanson. They do so much shouting and get so few results. Look out, Lamont. Drop that knife, Joey. You had your chance to get away, Mr. Clanson. I said drop that knife, Joey. No, I'm going to sink it in your throat. Drop that knife. Oh, my arm. I'll drop it up. Pick up the knife, Margo. Got it. Now, Joey, a few questions. Where's Winston? I won't tell you about it. Oh, haven't had enough. Hey, all right, Joey. No, no, no. Please. Where is he? He's gone to see somebody. A patient named Trigger. Trigger? You're not lying, Joey. No, I'm not lying. You've got to get there right away, Margot. But what about Joey? Got something here that'll keep him quiet until the police can pick him up. Handcuffs, wonderful. There, Joey. Now, in case you get the wanderlust, you can carry that radiator along with you. I think it'll be much more comfortable just to sit tight until the police get here. Hello, Trigger. Expecting me? Don't move fast, Trigger. Turn around real slow. What's the idea of the contact? I ain't done nothing. Well... Like you were planning a trip, Trigger. Trunk and all. Couldn't be that you were skipping town because some plans of yours didn't quite work out. Could it, Trigger? Now, look, I, I got the dough for you right here, Doc. That's what you wanted. Ain't it, Doc? The dough, sure. huh? And I'll take the dough, Trigger. And then I'll take you. What are you talking about? You tried to frame me, Trigger, and I'm going to kill you for it. It's as simple as that. Oh, no, wait but a second. before we part company, Trigger... I'm going to take back something I gave you. What are you talking about? I'm going to repossess that face of yours, Trigger, piece by piece. Oh, no, no, you, you could you could do that to me. I gave it to you. I ought to have a chance to take it away again if I want to. Ooh, shouldn't I, Trigger? That's only fair. <laughs> you talk too much, Doc. Well, I underestimated you, Trigger. Yeah. It kind of looks a little different from this end, don't it, Doc? Now listen, sir. Yo, listen, Doc. There's been a lot of cutting going on. You and that male nurse of yours been talking big with the knife. No, I'm a pretty fast kid with a gun, Doc. But now I'm going to try a little of this knife work, too. Hey, you're going to be my first patient, Doc. Now, wait a second. I used to be a butcher when I was a kid, Doc. You didn't know that, did you? Of course, I never worked on a person before, but I'm not too old to learn, am I, Doc? Stay away from me, Trigger. You're sweating, Doc. Oh, you ain't one of them sawbones that can't take his own medicine, are you? Now, lie down on that bed. Don't do it, Trigger. Oh, you forgot the ether, didn't you? Oh, well, these baggage straps will do it. Uh, Stretch your arms up. There. 
That'll keep you from moving. Let me up. Ah, let me see what kind of instruments you brought. Oh, Trigger. Now, personally, I like this long-bladed knife. For heaven's sake, Trigger, use the gun. Kill me, Cleet. Use the gun. And have the trunk go to waste. No, oh, you wouldn't want that, would you, Doc? No, Trigger, no. Oh, you ain't a good patient, Doc. You yell before you're even hurt. No. Now, let's see when I really... <laughs> what was that? Who knocked that knife out of my hand? The shadow, Trigger. What? <laughs> I said I'd come back. You can't stop me. I'm going to kill him. He's got to come and talk. Save me, Shadow. Save me. I'll save you, Winston, but not because I have any mercy for you. So you'll die in the electric chair for the Corning murder. I'll confess to it. I'll do anything. I'll tie me. Don't let him do it. I'll kill it, Doc, and I'll kill you too, Shadow. You can't kill what you can't see. You're finished, Trigger. The police are already on their way. Maybe, but I'll get you before they get me. Untie me, Shadow. Untie me. Good idea, Winston. No. Stay away from him. Stay away or I'll shoot. my gun. Now then, Trigger. Take it off me. Take it off me. <laughs> it's only a baggage strap, Trigger. It'll hold until the police arrive. They're here right now. Untie me, Shadow. You said you'd untie me. It was just a trap. Bring Trigger near the bed where I could tie you both up with this strap. Now, Winston, you'll stay tied and so will you, Trigger. When the police arrive, they'll find you both ready and waiting to be taken to the electric chair. <laughs> Again today, the Cary Salt Company is giving away two gorgeous $100 17-jewel Harmon gold watches in an easy-to-win contest. One man's watch, one lady's watch every week. If you'd like to hear your name announced as a winner, listen to these easy rules. First, write 100 words or less describing some new and unusual way of using any Cary Salt product. Second, print your name and address on your entry. Third, mail to Cary's, C-A-R-E-Y-S, Cary Salt, in care of this station. That's all. Nothing to buy, no box stops to send in. You can write about deep penetrating Carrie's round package table salt or Carrie's mineral supplement salt or any Carrie salt product. Letters postmarked before midnight Friday will be judged in this week's contest and winners announced three weeks from today. The judges' decisions are final. All letters become Carrie's property. In case of ties, duplicate prizes will be awarded. Remember, the man and woman who write the most interesting letters describing some new and unusual way of using any Carrie salt product will each win a gorgeous $100 watch. Remember, send your letter to Carrie Salt in care of this station. Better drop that address down now. It's Carrie Salt in care of this station. Mail your letter today. Copyrighted by Street and Smith Publications Incorporated. The characters, names, places, and plot are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Again next week, the shadow will demonstrate that the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs> Next week, same time, same station, the Carrie Salt Company brings you another strange and thrilling adventure in the shadow's daring battle against the forces of evil. Meanwhile, remember, there's a Carrie Salt for every farm and home use. Look for the package with a bright red band. 
And here's a reminder. Do you attend church regularly? There's a place for you and your talents in the church of your choice. Be a part of the United Church Canvas. That was Gang Doctor, an episode of The Shadow, originally broadcast November 24th, 1946, on Mutual. Paul, this was your selection for this installment. What made you choose it? Honestly, I just kind of threw a dart at, at a uh, calendar and picked... No, I always love The Shadow, <laughs> and uh, but I, I honestly admit, I don't know all the episodes, so I just picked one that I hadn't heard yet, and so I liked the title of Gang Doctor. Okay. So I picked Gang Doctor, because, you know, I've heard some at the beginning, I've heard some at the end, picked out some here and there, and it, there, that was one I hadn't heard, so that's why I went you know, with I it. think that's how they used to choose uh, the subjects of lifestyles of the rich and famous. Remember that show from the 80s? They would throw a dart, yes. and that, that's who they, <laughs> that's who, at, at, a, at a wall full of celebrities, and that's who they would choose for their for their. Lifestyles of the rich. I'm and Robin Leach. <laughs> yeah, that's it, Robin Leach. <laughs> so no, actually, that's that is how I picked it. Is just finding one that I hadn't listened to yet, so that way it'd be it'd be new to me, you know. Instead of yeah. there are some that you listen to, it's like oh man, I love that one, and you listen to it ad infinitum, and then next thing you know. You kind of like miss things that somebody who listened to, listened to it the first time will catch. You know, it's like, oh, I really love the way they did that. It's like, oh, you know, I listened to it so much I don't even notice that anymore. Right. You know, so that's right. why I wanted to do one that was fresh. So I did. Like it was my first time hearing it too, so it was a good choice in in terms of that. Yeah, Dave, was this your first time? This is my first time listening to this episode. I, I've obviously I've listened to The Shadow many many times. And for me, the shadow is always Orson Welles. So if I go back and re-listen to episodes, it tends to be from that first season with Orson Welles. Uh, that being said, I, I'm really glad you chose this because uh, I was recently looking at a list of all the shadow episodes. And I was surprised to see that from like the last five or so years of the show, there's a lot of missing episodes that are just, just lost What time. happened to those guys, you know? It's like it's so crazy that they have almost the entire first a full season from 1937 to 38 with Orson Welles. But then when recordings, the, the system of recording transcribing was obviously much more improved nearly 20 years later, you've got the last two years, like you said, completely boom, gone. I wonder what happened to those things, if they recorded them at all. Yeah, it's, it's been a while since I looked at that list, but it seemed to me like it was even like a longer period, but maybe it was just the last two or three seasons so, yeah, I guess, like, I, I enjoyed listening to this, No, partly because I know that a lot of the later episodes are just gone, and partly because as much as I like Orson Welles, sometimes it's it's interesting to hear other people bring what they have to the role, and I think Bill Johnstone, and um, I don't know how many John Archer episodes I've heard, and then the, the actor in this episode, Brett Morrison, they kind of did interesting things with the role, yeah. and they made it more about the character and... Uh, my only objection is that I, th I think the atmosphere in those early episodes was a lot more dark and um, maybe a little bit more um, just overall um, a little what bit. You more would expect from the shadow. Yeah. You would expect. Yeah, you'd, yeah. You'd want it to and then be, I, I think it became more of like a. You'd want it to be noir. It became more, more of like moody, a like you said. kind of thing. 
Sure, sure. Sure, sure, um, sure, sure. Sure, sure, sure. sure, sure. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, like, I, I have to be in the right mood to, to want to listen to uh, some of the later seasons of The Shadow, but if I'm in the mood for just kind of a, a silly, pulpy story, like, I, I do enjoy listening to them. And um, so, yeah, this episode was no exception. I, I enjoyed it quite a lot. Any story that starts off, like, in a creepy, dark basement uh, yeah. kind of grabs my attention right away. And yeah. Now, have either of you ever heard Steve Courtley as um, The Shadow? He was between uh, uh, Bill Johnstone and uh, Brett Morrison. Actually, like, Brett Morrison was it, and then he left, and then Steve Courtley came in. And did it for uh, mm-hmm. a part of a year, and then Morrison came back and was the shadow for the rest of the run. But I don't know if any any existing record there are any existing recordings for Steve Courtley. Do you know? Have you heard him? I, t- as far as I know, I've never heard, never even heard of that actor. I, w- I, wasn't, I wasn't aware there was another. This was before before John Archer and before Brett Morrison came back. You're saying? Yeah, he was like um, I think it was Archer. However, the run went. Bill Johnstone, then Archer, then Brett Morrison, then Courtley, then uh, Morrison again. I think that's how it went. But um, okay, yeah, I've only heard maybe one John Archer. I didn't like him so much. But mm. now for me, I like how this starts out. It's a potentially violent scene. You've got the uh, plastic surgery going on. Uh, you and and the guys crying out with pain, and the doc says. We've only got Novocaine, you know, <laughs> and so warm up the yeah. And so they, I guess they, a, what do they do? Cut him open and then pour in paraffin or something to build up his cheekbones and then sew it closed. It 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 wasn't really described. I don't know. They're pro- they're probably trying to uh, avoid too much detail, but it's like I'm thinking. My first thought, say there's a point where Lamont Cranston lights a match really close to his face. That's Trigger. Trigger is the character who had the plastic surgery. When he lit that match, I'm thinking, okay, don't get too close to the paraffin because it was on the surface of his face like a a wax addition. But then he said he could see the tiny uh, stitches from the plastic surgery. Mm. Right. Which made me think maybe the paraffin was underneath the surface of the skin. Right. It's like, ew. I, th- I think that was an early version of Botox. <laughs> you know? But I think about it, though. If you were somebody who knew nothing about plastic surgery and, and or facial augmentation, whatever the hell you want to call it, well, we have this paraffin wax, which comes from, you know, bees, and it's inert, and it's purified, and it's all in, and we put that in there. Or we get the stuff that's essentially food poisoning, and we cram that into your forehead to make it swell up and make you look better. Which one would you choose, the paraffin or the botulism? I wonder. I don't know, but I like later on how he describes it. He got some embroidery done. Did you hear him say that? You look different. Yeah, I got some embroidery done. Now, what I... What bothered me, there, a lot of things bothered me about this episode. And um, one where the one of the gangsters describes Cranston as a private eye. And yeah. he wasn't a private eye. He was a wealthy young man about town. So this whole premise of him being a private eye right off the bat just bothered me uh, um, and then didn't let go for the rest of the show. Um, Cranston himself doesn't even show up until... 
the sixth minute of the show that everybody's happening. And then suddenly you hear Margo and then Lamont, she asked Lamont a question. He comes in and it's at, it's at between six and seven minutes in. It's like, what the heck? <laughs> Whose show is this? So I never read any of the shadow novels. Did you guys ever read any of the Walter Gibson shadow Just stories? Just a few and only that- recently within the last okay. few years. Cause one thing I wanted to bring up, cause, cause you kind of brought up, you know, the inconsistencies of, uh, you know, Lamont Cranston being referred to as a private eye. Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of caught me off guard as well. And another another thing that my understanding of the novels, which I, I have not personally read, but um, what I from what I'm to understand, like in the novels, the shadow Lamont Cranston has like an army of agents like out in the field, like sort of like spies who are basically right. getting getting uh, intel exactly. for yes, him so that true. he can solve yes. crimes. And that's. And that's something that I didn't think that they really incorporated into the radio drama. But in this episode, they kind of did. Yes, but they're agents of Cranston. They're not the Shadows agents. They're Cranston's agents. But did Cranston have agents like in other Shadow episodes? No, I, I've series? never heard I this before. It's, it's like yeah. he's just, it's so, just him and Margot and maybe Shrevy, the, the taxi driver. Right. But, taxi, but he yeah. doesn't do anything. He just drives them around from place to place. Right, right. And he was more of a, you know, Shrevey to me was more of a, of a comic relief character because of the way he talked, you know. Not in this one. He, he didn't even appear in this one, but they talked about him. Yeah, um, they alluded to him a couple times. But yeah. This guy, uh, Murph, who was described as one of Cranston's special operatives. Right. So they, they took, they borrowed that particular premise from the, from the novels, but instead of uh, applying him to the shadow they gave him to uh, Cranston, and that and that was just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess when I listen to these, I try not to. I mean, it's it's hard for me not to get bogged down in like details like that, but I try not to let it um, get in the way of my enjoyment of them because yeah, at the end of the day, this is you know a superhero story, and if you're gonna if you're looking for like pure consistency, a hundred percent of the time you're probably going to be disappointed. And I think you just kind of have to almost look at every episode as like a self-contained universe in a way, because they, there's not like a, it doesn't seem like they're operating on like a show Bible sort of uh, format where there's like a very consistent through line through all the episodes. It's kind of it, the, the shadow episodes that I can recall listening to over the years are have, you know, great, you know, uh, just, they just have degrees of, um, varying inconsistencies and things like that in terms of uh, not just the characterization of the shadow and Lamont and the, some of the characters on the, on the sidelines, but also just like the internal logic of the show seems to change a lot from episode to episode. And, well, that's true. And that's what we're here for on old time radio essentials to uh, express our disappointment when, <laughs> when the show gets <laughs> it up to snuff. Uh, um, yeah. You know, I've listened to, well, you gotta remember one, one of the things that's going on nowadays is, I'm sorry, I guess I'm old, but uh, people are taking some crap just too seriously. You know, my yeah. uh, my son-in-law loves Star Wars, but when they came out with one of the, the first of the new movies, the I guess the new three, he hated it. He goes, it's not canon. You know, and and it's like these guys really needed to follow these stringent guidelines to be able to fit into their world. 
And back then, this was like, oh, it's a freaking radio show, for God's sake. Mostly kids listening to it, so who cares? Yeah. This w- th- this week, we're going to have Cranston be a World War One fighter pilot, you know? Because <laughs> it fits into the story that Joey wrote in 15 minutes. <laughs> well, that's true. They had a lot of different writers. Uh, it wasn't the same, the same guy writing the show. Uh, and, and they did it for nearly 20 years, so what are you going to yeah. do? Now, of course... The guy who wrote the novels. They're not all going to be pearls. Right. They're not all pearls. But the guy who wrote the novels was pretty much <laughs> the same guy all the way through with a few exceptions. So he he really knew the shadow canon in the stories. But obviously the shadow in the in the magazine is not the same shadow in our radio show. Sure. Now, um, I noticed that. Well, let me say this. You know, the kit. It's a different sponsor. It Normally, at the very beginning, when you listen to the shadow you're hearing either uh, Goodrich Safety Silver Towns as the sponsor for the tires or uh, uh, Blue Coal. Blue, Blue Coal, Coal is the most popular sponsor that I can recall. But here we've got Kerry Salt. And I'm always thinking when I'm listening to The Shadow and the Kerry Salt is the sponsor, I'm thinking like I'm listening from some farmland uh, radio station <laughs> because like <laughs> – the guy is talking about uh, for farm use and for field use and for home use and for all these different types of salt. So I'm always thinking of uh, that they're airing at this backwoods uh, radio station for Gary Salt. Um, it's just did you, did you listen to the commercials? Uh, yeah, those, yeah. The the people who won the the watch uh, the, the prize. Yeah, because they. <laughs> Wasn't it? She, I I had to listen to it a couple of times, and I swear it. I heard it right that she's saying if you got like flour sacks and stuff that you want to make things out of, if you douse them in kerosene and then this carry salt and then wrap them up and let them sit for a few days, it like bleaches the color out of them or something, so you can use them for something yeah, because else. Because the trademark, um, and I'm sorry, and that is definitely that is a a depression era um, thing because. Oh yeah. I, I read one, one in some place that um, because a flower company learned that women were using the sacks to make dresses, they started putting the flower in these uh, patterned fabric bags mm-hmm. so that they could make their dresses out of the flower sacks and they were already patterned with with pretty designs. I mean, that is amazing what women did, the lengths that they would go oh, through yeah. in the depression. And it's probably something similar because if you, you if you want to use the fabric, because I imagine it was a pretty sturdy fabric used for these uh, salt bags or the flower bags. Um, they weren't just paper and they could be used for many things. And if you wanted to sew it into, I don't know, like your, your daughter's play clothes or something like that, you didn't want them wearing something that said gold medal or King Arthur <laughs> on the back of her dress. So... Carry salt and kerosene, you know, takes that that the trademark out. It's pretty uh, ingenious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not only do you learn about radio history, you learn about American history here at Old Time Radio Essentials. <laughs> Whether you want to or not, <laughs> that's right. We're forcing you to to learn some history. Now, now, did you each notice? I I I made special notice or special notice of this and wrote it down the shadow getting back to the story here the shadow doesn't even appear until 18 minutes in yeah and then 
while his voice is filtered somewhat, because you got to filter the voice of the shadow, Morrison, Brett Morrison, made no attempt to change his voice. So to me, he sounds just like Cranston, but with a filtered voice. So it's like, who the heck isn't going to notice that if you know if you know Lamont Cranston, how can you not guess that he's the shadow because his voice hasn't changed? Orson Welles, at the very least, when he's talking as Lamont Cranston, it's it's you know kind of light and airy, and he's just a devil may care. But when he's the shadow, he's very sinister and he's very serious. Here, Morrison comes in and he's just. He's a tough guy as Cranston. He's playing a, a, a kind of a, a tough guy uh, detective as Cranston. And when he's playing the shadow, he's doing exactly the same voice. So it's a little no- annoying. And then he's gone two minutes later. So he had less than two minutes of airtime <laughs> as the shadow. And then he's gone. And then they have another commercial. <laughs> and then he comes back at 24 minutes. And he's already called the cops. He shows up at 24 minutes. He's already called the cops. He didn't even have to be there for that last scene. <laughs> and he's only there for another minute. And then they have the final commercial. And the show's over. So the shadow got less than three minutes of airtime. I did tell you I threw a dart at a, at a calendar. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But this is good. This is good. We can really kind of sink our teeth into what's wrong with this episode. Right. <laughs> right. So, and you know, and like you said earlier, this is one of the things that we, we tell people at the beginning about what we try and do. You know, we're not cherry picking all the time. You know, we're not trying to, we're doing a search for the best episode of this particular series. We want a, just an episode. So then we can say, okay, if you guys want to listen to this show, you know, if you've heard this one, don't take that in the wrong way. It does get better than this. You know, we wanted to cover the whole yeah. thing. You know, some of them are great. Some of them aren't so great. Some of them, the the superhero phones it in. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let me point out one other thing. Not only was Cranston uh, denoted as uh, kind of identified as a private eye, he has his own handcuffs. And he locks the guy to the uh, to the radiator. Did you hear that? It's like he's got oh, his own yeah. handcuffs. That, that I didn't even catch. Commissioner that. Weston doesn't even make an appearance in this. There are no cops in this episode, so no Commissioner Weston, no Inspector Cardona, none of those regular guys. It's just Lamont against the gangsters, and then the shadow shows up and he's gone. It's <laughs> and I noticed that after the last normally and. and you kind of get used to things. You know, you kind of get used to things with a shadow episode. After the last commercial, Lamont and, and, and Margot sit together and, and rehash the episode and discuss, and discuss what happened and what's going to happen to the guy who got caught and that sort of thing. But that didn't happen. It just went from the commercial to the theme music and then the show was over. It's like there was four more minutes of, st- of time that they could have used to have that that uh, discussion, but no, they went to a commercial, the theme music, and then another commercial, and and some announcer asked, "Do you attend church regularly? Please go to the church of your choice." Blah blah blah. Okay. <laughs> because the world is ending, that's why we're cutting the show four minutes short. <laughs> that could have been used a little more constructively. <laughs> <laughs> 
in my opinion. <laughs> no, I'm, I I agree with you 100% on this one, because I was listening to it going, I kept having to look over at the show that's playing going, this is the shadow, right? <laughs> I did pick the right one. I didn't grab off the wrong series, did I? No, and I guess you know if it comes right down to it, after the show was over and they had that final commercial, what else was there to say? Right. It would have been moot for them to have that final conversation, I guess. So they didn't do it. <laughs> they were self-aware enough to realize that if they do come back and talk about it, it's just <laughs> nothing Nothing exciting happened here in the first place. So why talk about it afterwards? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we got them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yep. Um, dinner? Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, anybody else have any opinions on this uh, before we vote? No? No, it doesn't okay, sound Dave, like Dave, <laughs> go ahead. Okay, let's vote. What are we voting on, dear listener? As a reminder, we are voting on, one, whether this particular episode is a true representative installment of the overall series, and two, whether or not it is a standalone show that belongs in every radio aficionado's collection. And again, Paul, this was your selection, so you go first. Oh, crap. Thanks. <laughs> Throw me under the bus. Now, now I do agree that, uh, like I said, I just picked this one because I wanted to hear an episode that I hadn't heard yet. And I still feel afterwards that I, I still want to hear a different episode because I almost feel like I, I didn't hear a shadow episode. <laughs> it's just like, ah, well, that was... I'll be honest, kind of disappointing. So that's my vote is not all that great. It's not really indicative of the show as a whole. Uh, in and of itself, not really all that great. I mean, the, the, the doctor was, you know, fairly cocky and scary at the beginning. And then he just cowers when he gets the tables turned on him again, you know, just like you kind of expect, but I, it was no big thrill. So that's my vote. I vote for one big no thrill. Okay. Dave, what do you have to say? <laughs> I don't want to come down too hard on this because in a way I do think it is actually representative of the shadow in that the, I, I, I don't know. I guess like I, I have a different metric for um, judging and assessing shadow episodes than I do any other radio show. Like I'm not looking for, you know, um, logic or consistency. I'm just looking for like an adventure and, you know, like a, a good crime story. That's kind of silly. And I think that's what most superhero stuff is to a large extent. So I don't want to say that I don't recommend this. I will say, I don't think it necessarily belongs in anyone's collection. I don't think anyone should like pay money for this, <laughs> but I don't think it's a bad idea to listen to it. If you're in the mood for uh, a silly little caper, because I think that's ultimately what it is. But I, I guess I don't want to totally um, dismiss it in terms of its quality. I think the uh, the the early scene in the basement I thought was very good, and I thought up until you know the end when it was a little bit anticlimactic, then uh, uh, it had some very good moments. So I'll say that uh, you know yes for one, no for the other. Okay. Okay. Now now even though I agree with you on that, it did have some good moments. I like the uh, the opening scene that was really good. Uh, I liked the gangster slang 
when he says, I, I had some embroidery done, and Murph is talking, he says, there's a red hot on the lamb, and things like that. A, a really cool uh, gangster type, type uh, uh, talk in there. So good dialogue. But overall, I have to say it's... It was a very disappointing Shadow episode. Very disappointing title, by the way, because Gang Doctor, the gang, the Doctor only appears twice, so it's really not about him. So it was it was poorly titled, uh, but I, I don't think it is a it's a good an, an representative installment of the Shadow, and I don't believe that any collector should have this in his collection, <laughs> except for you know what not to like about the Shadow. Yeah, I was, I was about to say that. Don't let this happen to you. Yeah, Cranston butts his way into the case. It's not introduced to him by Commissioner Weston or anything like that the way it normally would be. There's hardly anything for the Shadow to do. Uh, like I said, he didn't need to be there for that second scene. The cops were already on the way. Uh, so he didn't even need to show up. and All he did was show up and tell them the cops are on the way. And that's pretty much it. Cranston was was too tough. He was too much of a tough guy instead of the uh, the wealthy young man about town. And as a shadow, the fop. I didn't feel he was very mysterious at all. I mean, there was like the shadow has to have this mystique, and all he did was show up and talk exactly like Lamont Hello. Cranston. So I'm the shadow. <laughs> Fear me. Really, really, really big shadow. <laughs> <laughs> so um, overall, I was very disappointed, and I cannot recommend this for any any collector and that's me so that's uh two votes against and and a half two and a half votes against and a half vote for (laughs) yeah sounds Sounds about about right right. (laughs) well and i'm glad we did that for the simple fact is if every week we just you know picked out something that we all oh that was great that was great then what we said at the beginning doesn't really matter because if we're going to pick episodes that are always great then the people who listen to us go, no, well, what do they love this week? Yeah. You know, let's, let's get something that's not so great in there. So that way they have an idea of what to steer away from also. Well, in that case, you done good, Paul. I did. Yeah. Awesome. We are fulfilling our mission. <laughs> <laughs> my, my dart throwing expertise. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. This brings us to the end of episode 15 of Old Time Radio Essentials with Paul Arduthi, Pete Lutz, and me, Dave Feldman. Next time, the cycle comes around to me, and I'll be bringing an episode of my favorite old-time radio comedy, Armis Brooks, in an episode called School on Saturday. Excellent. Excellent choice, Dave. So that's next month on Old Time Radio Essentials. Dave, Paul, tell the masses what they need to know. Old Time Radio Essentials is a production of 63 Audio, a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network. Find us at www.mutualaudionetwork.com or www.naradaradio.libsyn.com on iTunes under Mutual Audio Network and or Narada Radio Company and on any podcatcher you may happen to use. Like us on Facebook at Mutual Audio Fans and at Narada Radio Company Fans and Friends. On Twitter at Essentials Old. If you want to suggest a future episode, write us at F6.3 at gmail.com. That's the letter F and the number six and the word point and the number three at gmail.com. Put the word essentials in the subject line.
At the time we're recording this, there are a number of wonderful things happening in the audio drama world. Paul and I, for example, have gotten involved in a group called Project Audion, and we've participated in the recreation of several old-time radio shows recorded via Zoom. These are available on YouTube and Facebook Live. Our most recent one went out on July 24th and was the radio adaptation of the film The Oxbow Incident. In addition to this, my own troupe has made four new OTR remakes for the 11th annual Sonic Summerstock Playhouse, which is available on Mutual Audio Network, just like this one. So if you've already subscribed to Mutual, look for these new releases on Sundays. Several have already been released, and we know you'll enjoy them. Finally, I'm very proud to tell you that our very own co-host, Dave, has created his own podcast dedicated to the Quiet Please radio series, and he's already launched his first episode, which covers the very first episode of Willis Cooper's famed program. Paul and I wish him and his co-host lots of success with this new show. Dave, do you want to tell us a little more about your show? Oh, shucks. Thanks, guys. Uh, it's called Quietly Yours, and what we're going to be doing is going through the entire catalog of, of uh, the program Quiet Please in chronological order, and we'll have occasional non-Quiet Please episodes that we'll do as well. Maybe every month or two, we'll throw in a you know kind of a wild card, and um, yeah, you can you can check it out on Spotify or iTunes. Um, there's also a um, a Twitter page, uh, Quietly Yours podcast, um, run by Matt Ellis and myself. Well, if you do ones that aren't quiet, please, every once in a while, you could use tonight's episode. Feel free. I'll <laughs> let you. You get anytime you want. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got an excellent idea for you because my troop just did the lost episode, Mirror, Mirror on the Wall. Oh, nice. And since there's no known recording of the original broadcast, when you get to that in the sequence, feel free to use our recording of that because I tried to be as uh, Willis Cooperish and as Ernest Chappellish as possible when I when I did when I did that. That's good to know. Um, we haven't actually settled on what we want to do when we get to those lost episodes. We might we might play recreations because I, I I think at some point like most of the lost episodes have been created by you know one troop or another you know around the country. But uh, yeah, I'll keep that in mind and looking forward to hearing it. You, did you say it's already been released or you, you just recorded it? Not yet. It will be uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks. Okay. We hope to uh, uh, hope okay. to be able to announce that. So good, great. Yeah, we're looking forward to hearing more of those because I love Quiet Please. And you know, we we featured Tanglefoot just a, a couple of months ago uh, from Quiet Please ourselves. Yeah. Okay, it's time to wrap things up. Remember, friends, we're always happy to hear from our listeners, so please do send us feedback and more suggestions. And if you didn't catch our email when Paul spelled it out, look for it in the show notes. And that's it for now, everybody. Join us next time for another fun installment of Old Time Radio Essentials. Bye-bye for now. Happy to Toodles, luck have fun. Social distance. And wash your hands. Wait a minute. 63 Audio. This is Mutual.
You're tuned into Monday Matinee on the Mutual Audio Network. Tomorrow is all things horror on Tuesday Terrors. Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day. Or find Tuesday Terrors in your favorite podcast players. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.